Welcome to SNC's Critical Insights. I'm Annie Ostrager, a partner in the firm's litigation group and one of the co-heads of our labor and employment practice and a member of our criminal defense and investigations group. With me today is Camille Shields, my partner in the litigation group, who's also a member of the firm's criminal defense and investigations group. Today, we're gonna to talk about recent increased focus by the Department of the Treasury the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Department of Justice on the use of whistleblowers in investigations involving allegations of corruption, with a particular focus on recent developments relevant to money laundering and the implications of this from multiple angles, including regulatory, criminal, and employment perspectives. Additionally, we'll discuss the Biden administration's emphasis on corruption as a national security risk and the strategy set forth by the White House to combat corruption. With that intro, I'll turn it over to Camille to give some of the relevant background. Thanks so much, Annie. Earlier this year, in January 2021, Congress enacted the Anti-Money Laundering Act of 2020, or the AMLA. The act established a new whistleblower program at the Department of Treasury. You can read more about this act in a memo that the firm prepared in February, but very briefly, some key takeaways include. So the AMLA expands BSA enforcement and investigation related provisions, particularly with respect to foreign financial institutions. For example, the AMLA allows both the Department of Justice and Treasury to seek and enforce subpoenas targeted at any account in a foreign financial institution with a correspondent banking in the United States, provided that the records fall under one of the broad investigative categories that are enumerated in the statute. In the past, DOJ's authority had solely extended to records that were related to just the correspondent account. The AMLA also amends the BSA's criminal and civil penalty provisions. The act allows DOJ to seek sanctions of individual criminal BSA violations by means of first, a fine, in the amount equal to the profit gained by reason of the violation. And second, if the person is an individual who's a partner, director, officer, or employee at the time of the violation, repayment of any bonus paid during the year in which the violation occurred or in the following year. Civilly, the AMLA permits the Department of Treasury to impose fines in the case of repeat BSA violations up to the greater of first three times the profit gained or loss avoided as a result of the violation, or two times the maximum applicable penalty. Finally, as we will discuss today, importantly, the AMLA expands the BSA's existing provisions relating to incentives for informants and protections against retaliation for whistleblowers who provide original information relating to violations of the BSA to either their employer or to the government. Thanks, Camille, for that helpful overview. And we are already starting to see questions about all of this in our matters on both the side of our clients and the government, which is interesting. But sticking with the topic at hand, what do you think is motivating the heightened focus on whistleblowers? I think that among many reasons that this relatively new legislation reflects the government's view that whistleblowers play an important and integral role in fighting corruption by alerting federal enforcement officials and other law enforcement officials to the possibility of misconduct 
or wrongdoing that occurs within a company or an agency. Notably, whistleblowers are often insiders, meaning that they're privy to information or alleged misconduct that might be otherwise hard to identify or to notice and can often go undetected. So a whistleblower can be anyone who has information about this potential wrongdoing. Also, because potential whistleblowers are insiders, they would know about events or matters that enforcement agencies might not. So prosecutors and regulators have identified these additional strategies to encourage these whistleblowers to come forward and provide this information. Right, so essentially because of the information they can provide, whistleblowers are incentivized to come forward. That is exactly right. In exchange for, quote, blowing the whistle, which is why they're called whistleblowers, on conduct or behavior that violates state or federal law, these whistleblowers regularly can earn a percentage of any fines or any monetary sanctions that a law enforcement agency might bring against the company. And that can be a particularly compelling reason for a whistleblower to come forward with knowledge and to provide this information and report suspicious activity. The whistleblower provisions that are established under the AMLA in particular, authorize the Department of Treasury to compensate that whistleblower with up to 30% of the penalties, disgorgement, or interest that is obtained in connection with an enforcement action, provided, however, that that amount exceeds $1 million. The whistleblower must provide original information, so unique information otherwise unknown to law enforcement relating to violations of the Bank Secrecy Act or the BSA to be eligible for that award. Importantly, the Secretary of the Treasurer will determine the final whistleblower award and amount, which as noted is up to 30% of the total recovery based on the information that's conveyed by the whistleblower and the degree of help that is provided. Now, there are a number of state and federal laws under which whistleblowing is encouraged. This is not the first time the federal government has written in these whistleblower provisions. For instance, in the Dodd-Frank Act of 2012, the SEC established a whistleblowing program which also awards a whistleblower 10 to 30% of the monetary penalty or fine should the whistleblower contribute, again, original information that leads to a successful enforcement action, and again, with sanctions that are greater than $1 million. So a lot like the whistleblower provision under the AMLA. Also, the Federal False Claims Act, or FCA, provides an avenue for whistleblowers to report alleged wrongdoing to the Department of Justice. The key TAM provision of the FCA equips whistleblowers with the capacity to sue on behalf of the U.S. government. The government then decides whether or not it will step in on behalf of those whistleblowers and then intervene. If the government intervenes and that enforcement action is successful, the whistleblower can earn between 15 to 25 percent of the recovery amount. However, if the government does not intervene and the whistleblower is successful, he or she will earn 25 to 30 percent of the recovery, so a higher percentage. In addition to these whistleblower programs, the ones that we just discussed, other agencies such as the Internal Revenue Service, the Commodity and Futures Trading Commission also have established whistleblower programs. These programs generally include guidance, which relates to the degree of anonymity that might be extended to the whistleblower, the amount of recovery that the whistleblower is entitled to, and any protections against retaliation. Thanks, Camille. So in light of this existing landscape, which is pretty extensive and already provides for robust potential whistleblower recoveries, can you talk a little bit about what we expect to see that's different or new under the AMLA? Well, Annie, as you noted, the AMLA is new. So we expect to see a lot of enforcement under the AMLA. There's a lot of action that we uh, have not yet seen, but we expect will be coming down the pipe. 
The MLA was passed by Congress under the National Defense Authorization Act of fiscal year 2020. And as we already discussed, it includes substantial changes to the anti-mundering laws. Notably, before the MLA, those blowing the whistle on BSA violations were capped at only $150,000, which is considerably lower than what these new provisions allow. There's no minimum award, as noted, or percentage in the MLA. The whistleblower can be compensated for up to 30% of the penalties, which, as we already discussed, is very similar to the SEC's whistleblower program, which also authorizes 10 to 30% of the money collected in enforcement action. Again, so long as the information is original or unique or unknown to law enforcement, the action is successful and that the sanction exceeds $1 million. Right, so further financial incentives for whistleblower activity in this space for sure. And then what about in terms of covered conduct? So examples of Bank Secrecy Act or BSA violations include failure to file suspicious activity reports or SARS, currency transaction reports or CTRs, as well as a failure to maintain a sufficient AML program. And the failure to maintain a sufficient AML program constitutes about five factors. Those are first, a system of internal controls, Second, a designation of an AML compliance officer. Third, establishment of an effective AML training program for appropriate personnel. Fourth, independent testing of the compliance program. And fifth, customer due diligence, which is utilized to determine the customer risk profile. Yes, so there's a lot of range of activity that could be potentially covered here in the BSA space. So Annie, I wanna turn to you. How is this new legislation being rolled out in practice? Sure, thanks, Neil. So FinCEN has been tasked with managing the AMLA whistleblower program, which as you noted, is really still in its infancy and is seeking out additional resources and determining the most effective way to take in, manage and pursue tips, which is something that these other agencies with more well-developed, longer standing programs have a lot of expertise in at this point. In May, FinCEN remarked to the Wall Street Journal that its current focus was on obtaining necessary resources to implement a robust program. And the implementation of it has been discussed with these other agencies like the SEC and CFTC, which already have these longstanding well-developed programs. As it becomes more developed, covered financial institutions and their compliance officers should ensure that there are strong internal reporting pathways and should encourage employees to report internally any suspected wrongdoing. As is the case with all whistleblower programs, retaliation against whistleblowers making reports to FinCEN is of course prohibited. So Annie, you mentioned retaliation. What are some examples of retaliation? An obvious example would be termination. However, there are other more subtle forms of retaliation that are also prohibited. Retaliation can manifest itself in the form of a demotion, a failure to promote, blacklisting, reassignment, reduced hours of pay, or threats, including threats that are not obvious ones that can come in connection with a company's attempt to investigate the source of whistleblowing activity. So companies do have to be pretty careful in how that is navigated. And should whistleblowers experience retaliation or perceived retaliation even, they can be eligible for relief such as reinstatement, compensatory damages, 
twice the amount of back pay, depending on the factual circumstances surrounding the retaliatory actions. And of course, this could just really complicate an investigation that is not otherwise focused on the whistleblower, but more outwardly focused on the conduct that's been reported. So when you talked about retaliation and all of the concerns around that, can whistleblowers under this new AML regime, can they remain anonymous or do they actually need to identify themselves in order to provide this information? Yes, good question. Whistleblower programs often seek to provide ways in which the whistleblower's identity can remain confidential. Under the new AMLA regime, if the whistleblower is represented by counsel and certifies eligibility, he or she may remain anonymous. And from the perspective of a potential whistleblower, the ability to preserve anonymity may help encourage him or her to come forward, and it's another safeguard against retaliation. From an institution's perspective, however, it can be more than just curiosity that drives an interest in determining where information provided to a regulator came from. Of course, having this information can help illuminate the universe that a company should be looking at, that is potentially gonna subject the institution to legal exposure, help assess the scope of an internal investigation. So there are certainly competing interests on that issue. And I think it makes sense now to turn to implications for white collar litigation and matters, as well as Biden's recent national security memorandum, which I'll touch on. Yes, Camille, agreed. During the past five years, about a billion dollars has been paid by criminal violators of the BSA. And in fiscal year 2020, the SEC received the greatest number of whistleblowing tips ever in the history of its program with whistleblowers earning amounts totaling roughly $175 million. Indeed, just last month on June 2nd, the SEC published a press release announcing whistleblower awards of approximately $13 million and $10 million respectively. In connection with these awards, the acting chief of the SEC's Office of the Whistleblower stated that they demonstrate the SEC's continuing commitment to making awards to individuals who provide high quality information that assists the SEC and other government agencies in bringing successful enforcement actions. In light of that, Camille, what do you see in terms of a going forward impact of the whistleblower provisions of the AMLA? Thanks, Annie. I would say that there's gonna be a continued focus on the use of whistleblowers as a tool in the tool belt of prosecutors and regulators as part of the overarching Biden administration enforcement agenda. And that agenda has been really dedicated to combating corruption both here and abroad. In fact, just last month on June 3rd, the Biden White House issued a memorandum establishing the fight against corruption as a core United States national security interest. The National Security Study Memorandum, or the NSSM, Recently, Ashley O'Shea, another member of the Criminal Defense and Investigations Group, and I did a podcast about the NSSM. As we discussed, with this memorandum, the Biden administration seeks to improve transparency, both domestically and abroad, in order to help discover and eradicate corruption. Thanks, Camille. I agree that the use of whistleblower tips will continue to remain a significant source of information in government investigations broadly, and we'll have to continue to watch how the new whistleblower program established under the AMLA 
that's being run by FinCEN will develop. Thanks for listening to SNC Critical Insights. For more information about our practice, please visit us on the web at www.solcrom.com. Thank you.